You're listening to the film podcast about indie filmmaking and big budget films with award-winning filmmaker Craig Newland. And welcome to another episode of the film podcast. My guest is somewhat of a trailblazer in the space of smartphone filmmaking, which is a real movement for indie filmmakers. She launched the International Mobile Film Festival over 11 years ago, realising just how powerful these smartphone devices were becoming to filmmakers and that phones offered an inexpensive way to capture film production. And subsequently, she's managed to attract thousands of indie filmmakers around the world to her film festival. Susie Batallo, welcome to the Film Podcast. Wow, what a great intro. Thank you for having me. Great, Susie, to have you on. Perhaps we can start there by you telling us a little bit more about your film festival and how it all began for you. It was a vision. I was in college and my major then was media communications. And so it involved journalism, video, broadcasting, radio, video, film, all of that. And so the images of people talking on the cell phones, the broadcast news segments showing videos coming from consumer cameras, and all of that put together with what was becoming social media. That's how the film festival began because I thought the only way I'm going to be able to get filmmakers to make movies with a phone, which is the best way to share stories, would be a contest. And what better contest and, and that I had even participated in than to have a film festival? I didn't want to do it online. I wanted to have the genuine film festival with the big screen and roll out the red carpet. I have a lot of respect for filmmakers. I wanted to create an event that they could be proud of. And the reason I wanted to get you on to discuss smartphone filmmaking is because seven or eight weeks ago, we had Jennifer Zhang on the podcast talking about her award-winning film, Sharon, a smartphone feature film that you awarded best film to. So let's bring Jennifer back to join in on the podcast. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. Yes, Susie and I have since become quite close. She came to San Diego to pick up her trophy and I met her in person. We had tacos. I'm very big on fish tacos. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I got to tell you something about Jennifer. There's actually a little bit of a connection there with with New Zealand. They're actors from The Hobbit. They were judges in our film festival. They are Jed Brophy and Mark Hadlow. And, you know, realizing that, that Jennifer had to somehow juggle this whole project on her own. Five brains within that head... (laughs) <laughs> at the same time, live in action <laughs> while uh, she was filming. Thank well, you, Sue. That, that's yeah. so, that is such a cool thing to know because I'm such a huge, you know, fan of all things like Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. So when you told me that, that was insane. So you made your feature film, like I said, on a smartphone. You then decided to submit to some film festivals. Were you aware of Susie's film festival prior to submitting? 
I wasn't, although, you know, like more and more of these festivals have categories for mobile films, but so many of them restrict them just to short films. That was one of the interesting things that I found was every festival I came across, it seemed, on Film Freeway had like a 20 minute limit on it when it came to the mobile film category in particular. And that's what to me set Susie's festival apart was that she had a whole separate category just for feature films shot on a cell phone. I'm guessing that one of the problems with smartphone technology being so accessible and easy to point and shoot is that quality of story and overall structure of a piece might be lacking from some filmmakers in this space. Is that a frustration and a valid point with someone like yourself who is so deep into the smartphone film technology? Yes, it is. It is a bit frustrating But at the same time, I can sympathize because I am telling everyone who has a mobile phone that this is a way to get their foot in the door. So I'm actually calling for people who are completely inexperienced to start trying. What is more frustrating is the professional filmmakers, the indie filmmaker who makes something that doesn't put enough time and effort into because it's a mobile film festival and they think it should be easy and they should be a straight win because they're professionals. That's really more frustrating. And what are some of the more technological advancements in smartphones recently that have empowered filmmakers even more for telling stories with their phones? So we have two sponsors, Film Convert and Filmic Pro. Film Convert is a company that does color grading and film grain for filmmaking, post-production. They've created a software that's called Cinematch. And what they are able to do when they partnered with Filmic Pro with this was if you're shooting it using the Filmic Pro app with specific settings, you're able to bring that into post-production with the Cinematch app. And according to them, you are able to make a film that brings that million-dollar value to it. Add on top of that, the cherry on top, the iPhone 13 that just came out with cinematic mode and all the other features that are constantly being upgraded. It's like the never-ending game, right, for mobile filmmakers. So with these technological advances, are you seeing that there's a marked uptick in the number of cell phone features that you see submitted to your festival every year? Like, is it exponential or is it like a gradual climb? It definitely is. Actually, the 4K came out Sony had the first 4K come out, I believe it was in 2014. But if you think about it, it wasn't until a couple of years after that, that iPhone came out with that. But now the the traditional cameras are coming out with 6K and even 8K. The competition in between, but how far do you need to go to create an awesome film? It really all depends not on the filmmakers themselves, It depends on the audience. If you're captivating your audience with a great story and the audience really doesn't care what you shoot it with, but at the same time, it's pretty awesome to tell people in the audience who also have a smartphone, if that film inspires them and they feel what I call tibbles, you know, oh my God, I want to make a film like that. I got a similar story to that. Wouldn't it be cool to make that film, you know, not everybody has an RE sitting in the trunk of their car to motivate them, but they do have a smartphone camera. So I think the technology, you know, is just constantly, it's fluid. It's just going to keep getting better. But again, it's, it's that point where the filmmaker has to say, well, enough, 
playing around with new technology. I just got to get out there and put my story out there and make an awesome film and pay attention and focus to all the elements of filmmaking that make a great film beyond, you know, gear and apps and cameras and all those things. And traditionally, a lot of films you can have a two-camera shoot with, but with smartphones, your coverage really could be three or four cameras rolling at once. Do you have many filmmakers using smartphones and deploying multi-phones to capture a film shoot? Oh, definitely. Ever since the beginning, there are some drawbacks. For example, phones get hot depending on the weather and the usage. Also, other things are the battery dies. You you filled up your phone, right? The, the space on your phone, all sorts of things like that. Look, mm-hmm. I've been on traditional film sets where they were using a Panasonic and something happened. I think they ran out of space on their HD card and they said, uh-oh, we're in the middle. We're, it's the last day of shooting. And here we are. We were in this huge parking lot shooting this thing. And the AD said, actually, I happen to have the same camera in the trunk of my car. Now, that is the rarest thing <laughs> in the world because you don't want to mix, you know, a Panasonic camera with mm. a, a Canon camera, for example. I was talking to film director Ben Lucas recently, who mentioned that he was offered a film to direct to be shot in portrait, especially for phone watching. This is actually what he said. Last year, I was offered a project that in the end I I couldn't do, where they wanted to shoot at portrait. (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. They wanted to shoot at 16.9, but uh, portrait. Again, I tried to be into it. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe... Maybe this is the future and maybe this is, you know, something that we should lean into instead of resisting. But um, it's not it's not a nice feeling. <laughs> it's kind of like mm. a little stab every time I think about it. I mean, I get the whole iPhone factor, but you turn your iPhone to landscape and you've got a bigger screen. So what was the rationale for them wanting to do it in portrait? Well, I mean, the rationale was that that's how things are watched and that people don't turn their phone sideways, which, again, unfortunately, they're kind of right about that. We're in this weird in-between phase, aren't we? If, if I pick up my phone right now and I look at the screen, you know, if someone sends me a clip for a YouTube video or something, chances are I'm, I'm just going to see it at the top third of the screen. As Ben was saying this, I was thinking, no, I always flip it to landscape. I never watch it just with a third of it. So here's what I do. I hold it vertically, portrait, mm-hmm. and I'll start to watch it. And now if it's interesting, I will flip it over and I will tap on it to make it full screen so I get the best view that I can. But to be honest with you, I'd rather watch it on a larger screen. The problem with vertical filmmaking, portrait mode, whatever you want to call it, the problem with that is that once you're finished, if if you've shot your film that way, well, you're limited to that. When you go to distribute that in other screens, it's, I call it the you know, the, the peeping Tom effect where you feel like it, it's not natural to you. So you feel like you're missing something. It's like you're peeking through the crack of a door opening. What about you, Jennifer? What do you do with your phone? Do you turn it sideways <laughs> if you're watching a YouTube clip? Uh, you know what? I represent, I think, what is very clearly now the generational gap because I used to turn it sideways to watch it in the correct, in my mind, aspect ratio. But 
as I've consumed more social media videos, I find myself turning it sideways less and less. And I feel like the younger generations prefer not to have to. And that's the whole point. That's that's what Ben is saying. Like at the moment, there are films that are being actively looked at to shoot it in portrait for people to watch. And that is just the way it's going because it is shrinking. The cinema <laughs> is shrinking down to devices to watch these films on. One of the arguments when I first started the film festival that people used to say, how do you know you're not going to get? And I actually had a founder of a, of a large film festival when I presented the idea of the film festival this way. She was very negative And she said, you're going to get a bunch of birthday parties and nonsense. But I said, I said, no, because there's this connotation when you say the word film as opposed to video. So what we tend to watch on social media, Jennifer is like this TikTok hero, you know, and and does all these TikTok videos and things like that. Those are made, those are videos, but they're not actual films. So if you're watching it on social media, it's different. It's considered video more than anything, right? But it could change. It could change where you have vertical films that are made for social media, media, and there are more film festivals that are accepting them. In the end, what it comes down to, though, quite honestly, is how much further can your film go? How many more places can your film fit to share it with more and more people? Because when you create content, whether it's a video or film or whatever it is, you want to reach more people. That's very important. And I think that's one of the reasons why some people would rather have their film on YouTube as opposed to a streaming service. A friend of mine said to me yesterday, let's not forget that once upon a time, four by three television sets were in the home, which we had to shoot for that format. The cinema allowed us to stretch the format up to 235 and 240. And now everyone has 16 by 9 flat 4K screens in their home. So as Bob Dylan would say, the times are a-changing. I agree with you. And Bob Dylan is a great musician. (laughs) (laughs) If we really think further, people nowadays have their screens like wall-mounted and a lot of those mounts now rotate. Yes. So you could technically like take your 16 by 9 on your wall mounted rotatable mount and just like, you know, shift your your screen to a nine by 16. I think also one of the things, Jennifer, what started this whole thing, remember uh, Instagram was only allowing the vertical videos, right? Yes. And then Mm -hmm. they changed it. I wrote an article about this um, as well because there was this whole conundrum about it, about the whole situation where I was saying, if I'm shooting myself with with my video camera and I'm in my bedroom and I've got clothes all over my bed or something, I may not want to show that. So maybe then portrait mode, right, the vertical, where it's just me, my single me is, mm-hmm. is fine. When I take photographs, when I'm mm-hmm. taking pictures of a group of people, I'd rather put it in landscape and get everybody so their faces are showing other than making it landscape and you know, stepping back 12 feet to get everybody in the shot. So it's kind of the same bit of thinking. 
I would love to see what could be achieved with a smartphone capture on something like a big studio film. For instance, like the new 007 movie, No Time to Die. Of course, Unsane was done by Steven Soderbergh a few years ago, which you've alluded to, but it wasn't a studio film like a 007 franchise. So what do you think, Susie? Could James Bond actually be filmed on a smartphone or would it be beneath him? I think it's just a matter of someone listening to this podcast and saying, (laughs) you know what? I'm inspired by Jennifer. I'm inspired by what's happening. I'm inspired by the fact that even Steven Soderbergh is, is giving this stuff a shot. The fact that we have actors who were in the Hobbit films <laughs> and King Kong, right? It's something to find someone who's inspired enough, who has the time, who loves a challenge to just go for it. You could imagine the reaction of Daniel Craig on day one of this shoot. He would say, what the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer, you've made a feature on a smartphone. If the producers came to you from the 007 franchise and said, we'd like you to direct the next James Bond film, would you be up for that? On a cell phone? Absolutely. Especially now. Especially now that I've seen the cinematic mode on the iPhone 13, which I don't mean to turn this into a commercial for it, but it was quite mind-blowing watching those demos and seeing how very much the rack focus on that and like the rack focus on like a professional quote-unquote camera. If we're going to make a 007 film on a smartphone, we would certainly not want to shoot it in portraits 9 by 16. (laughs) I totally agree. (laughs) That would lose the point. But coming back to Soderbergh's film, Unsane, I mean, that really worked just so well for the psychology of that film. The close-ups on Claire Foy's face were just so effective, Susie. Again, filmmakers, I've never met a filmmaker that didn't like a challenge. Just being a filmmaker or working on a film crew is a challenge. It takes a special kind of creative type person to be involved with that. You know, that brings me to a question. So when you're evaluating your submissions, and I think I know the answer to this, but are you more impressed by people using cell phones to accomplish what's traditionally done on on traditional cameras? Or are you personally more impressed if they're using their cell phone cameras to shoot in ways that you don't typically see with traditional cameras? What really impresses me, you did such a great job with the story. You had me so captivated in it. That, to me, is what really impresses me. When I watch a film that comes into the film festival and I totally forget that I'm watching a mobile shot film, the entire product that you developed with your film was incredible to me without even realizing that you had edited that entire 73-minute film on your phone on top of everything (laughs) because you had camera movements and things like that 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 were involved with it. But you did things that you expect in traditional film. Some of the films have made me cry. Some of them have inspired me. Some of them have shared stories that were completely unique, that came from the perspective of a person that was not a filmmaker, that could have never been a filmmaker, only because they weren't in this world and they maybe only made that one film that one time to give it a shot and they made such a terrific little film with such a moving story you know there's just so much i could go on about this and one of the benefits of using a smartphone is being able to work with a very small budget Uh, what susie is the number one reason that uh, people use smartphones to shoot their films 
So I think budget is a, is a big one, of course, but there's also the fact that you don't have to have a lot of people involved, which can sometimes slow down your production. It also is the, the trend of guerrilla filmmaking, which has been around for a long time, but now it's more conspicuous. The other reason is because, well, Jennifer, what would you say, because you're a filmmaker, the attention that you received shooting on a phone and with right. traditional filmmaking? One of the surprising pieces of press I got was in Japan, in parts of Asia, they had been in lockdown for considerable weeks, like longer than the rest of the world had been. So there was a huge piece that was done on network television in Japan on this film. It was something I hadn't anticipated. And it was the mobile aspect. It was the fact that it was somebody trapped in their apartment with their phone making a movie that they were fascinated by. Craig, here's the thing, because you get to speak with a lot of filmmakers who are not using iPhones or smartphones, and I want them to make feature films. I dare them to make a feature mm -hmm. film and, and bring it on to the film festival. Our, our, dead, our first deadline, I'm going to sound like a commercial now, our first deadline is October 19th, and then the, the extended deadline, I believe, is in December, late December, right before Christmas. Well, it's definitely catching on because it caught my attention, right? And I thought, let's do a podcast on smartphones. And actually, Jennifer thought I knew a lot more about the smartphone uh, filming than I actually did. I was just asking sort of some logical questions. But I just want to come back to the, the budget. That's one of the primary reasons that people decide to shoot on a smartphone. And indie filmmakers always shortchange themselves when it comes to revealing the film's budget, especially when they say, oh, it's a no-budget film. Uh, the budget was zero. It didn't cost me anything because the reason I bring it up is that there is always a cost. Even if you own all of the equipment and you forget about the labor and then you send somebody down to the local supermarket to buy a bottle of water, bingo, we have a cost right there in the water. And of course, that is just the lowest common denominator that I can think of. So let's keep trace of an indie film with costs. And if it's your film and you have other people gifting their time to you, let's build in the hourly rate and add it all up because that is going to be the true cost of your indie film, whether it's shot on a traditional camera or a smart phone. Yes, you, you bring up a really good point, Craig, because there are other costs. Time should always be counted as part of your budget. People's time should never be free. Then there are permits that you, you have to get sometimes. Now, if you're making a narrative film and you don't have good actors to portray the characters in your film, no matter how good that story is, that's another part of the film that's underrated sometimes you should really pay your actors as well. You still need a budget. It is mm -hmm. a lower budget, but I don't want to give the false impression of it's because it's a smartphone, it's a zero budget. And interestingly enough, a thing that a lot of people don't think about is like the cost associated with what happens after your film is made. And it might be a, a good example to, to bring up with Sharon is the cost of making that film was practically zero. And the paradox is that after the film was completed, having 
to pay the submission costs to various festivals, having to pay a, a key art artist to make the poster, trying to get PR firms to put out press releases. The paradox is that the cost of promoting the film after making the film ended up being more than the production cost itself. Craig, you know what? Since the very first film festival that we held here in San Diego, we had people coming from different parts of the world. We oh, had the a, travel a guy costs. come out, yes, come out from Macedonia, Australia, London, Italy, Germany. I mean, the cost of that to San Diego is not cheap. There's so many di- different things to account for. And I think probably by us emphasizing this to your listeners, it's given them a little bit of a, a, a shocker, right? So if I make a, a movie with my smartphone, it's not going to be just a free thing. Well, no. So make sure you do a really good job at it. And coming back to the actors, you were saying, you know, acting is obviously a critical part of filmmaking. With the smartphone, it's less intrusive. And for actors, especially ones starting out, I was thinking this has got to be a real advantage for unknown actors because the iPhone, whatever it is that you're shooting it on, is so less intrusive. Now, does that sort of thing get registered and discussed much at all, Susie? It does. And even for experienced actors, it becomes more comfortable for them to work in front of a smartphone camera. But yes, for children, people who who have emotions, you know, that that need to be uh, portrayed as part of their character. Basically, the, the director and the camera person and them in a small unit helps them get into character more as well. And what is the growing demographic and what's the younger sort of age that are submitting to your film festival? So we went from 11 to 85 years old. Since the beginning, I say it's for all humans all around the world, any age. Everybody qualifies I'm I'm trying to get the point across if you have access to a phone and who doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. More people have access to a phone than a toothbrush in the world. And that's a fact. (laughs) (laughs) That's an actual fact. Look, people submit films to my film festival that sometimes end up not being accepted. But I still, we still keep in touch. Once in a while, I'll hear from somebody who submitted a film or who wanted to submit a film that didn't get in or didn't qualify or whatever. And we still stay in touch and we talk about mobile filmmaking. It's one of the reasons I started my podcast. We're having these great discussions because we're so passionate about this. We need to record them to inspire other people. And that's what I really love about what you've done, Susie, is that you're like a, you're a true advocate for this community. Well, thank you. I, I don't even think about that. I just, I just uh, interact with them every day because I love them all and they know it. I think they know it. <laughs> is there any streamer anywhere in the world that is actually offering content from smartphone filmmakers? I guess it'd be kind of breaking news, but I, I did end up selling my mobile film. I don't know if I could say who the distributor is yet, but it had a lot to do with, I believe, Susie's advocacy of it, You know, the press that she generated off of it, everything snowballing. But the most hilarious thing is I asked the distributor, like how much of the marketing is going to pump up the idea that it was shot on a cell phone? And he said, none of it. He said, it's all the same now. People just want to watch a good film. I'm always out to inspire people. There are people in in the mobile filmmaking industry that say, you know, we shouldn't even tell people that we're shooting it with phones anymore. For me, 
it's really important that people actually say, this was shot with the same device that you have in your hand right now. If you want to, you can do it too. If you have a great story, don't wait for somebody else to tell it. Tell it yourself. I don't know that your timing could have been any better, Craig and Susie, because the the buzz around the cinematic mode on the iPhone 13 has been insane today. So I think over the next month, you're going to hear just a lot about mobile filmmaking. And for me, it's like a dog listening for a whistle. Everybody's (laughs) whistling today. Everybody's been whistling for years. You know, I've been doing this for many, many years. I mean, Mm -hmm. I started this in 2000. So we're going on like 13 years now. I'm just as electrified as I was from the beginning. It just grows and grows until I'll explode mobile <laughs> film one day. <laughs> and the gap is fully closed now. You know, I, I think we're really, I don't think people realize how small the gap is now. You know, the fact that like the people that bought my film really don't care that it was shot on phone because they're like, it's just, it's a movie. It's like a yeah. movie like any movie. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's just incredible. There was a girl in Indonesia And she made this little movie on iMovie. You know, this is back in 2000 for the 2015 Film Festival. She said, I want you to, because I have to write a letter for her to get a visa, right? And she wanted her whole family to come. She couldn't get her whole family here. She could barely pay for herself. And then she, she got the okay for the visa. What she did was she created two funding campaigns, one at Kickstarter. And I think the other one was, I forgot where the other one was. What happened was she was going for that. She was constantly promoting it because she wanted to come to San Diego. It was her dream. She made a movie. She was going to be in the film festival, you know, blah, 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 blah. And she ends up, there was someone in fashion that said, if you wear this dress, you know, our label dress on the red carpet and have photos of it, So they funded her entire trip. She ended up spending the entire 30 days. She came here. She went to L.A. She had a ball. All that because she made a little film with her iPhone. It was like a three-minute film with a little song about (laughs) her little family. I like your energy. It's very clear that you're incredibly passionate about filmmaking, and I'm sure many people look up to you and what you are doing with not only your film festival, but also the mentoring that you're doing. I personally have found this podcast with you very illuminating, finding out more about the smartphone technology in filmmaking. I first got intrigued, as you know. I got informed through Jennifer talking about her feature film, and this has educated me, taken me to another level. So I'm sure our audience is just as informed as I am. So thank you for being truly unique, authentic, and also a ball of energy with so much of this passion towards mobile film making. And thank you for coming on to the film podcast. Hey, thank you, Craig. Also want to share with your listeners that we do have the world's first streaming service for film and videos shot with only smartphone cameras, and that is called mobilefilmstories.com. So if they want to go there and watch some films that may inspire them, they can do it right now. And Jennifer, thank you for coming back onto the show. I'm sure that you've uh, taken away something as well listening to Susie's passion and enthusiasm about this smartphone technology. 
Absolutely. I'm inspired by her every day, honestly. You know, um, I accidented myself into this community. She's lived this life for like well over a decade. So she's definitely a hero. You've been listening to The Film Podcast with Craig Newland, your weekly podcast about all things behind the camera and in front of it. Until next time, have a great week.